morning, everyone. Uh, it's really lovely to see you all this morning, and uh, especially on a lovely sunny day like today, to uh, gather together to worship God. And as we uh, come together now, let us uh, know God's loving presence with us. Our call to worship comes from Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So let's worship God as we sing together our first hymn, How Lovely on the Mountains, Our God Reigns, and Mission Praise number 249.
Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you that we can come to worship you so freely that you reign. And Lord, we thank you that uh, you have brought us here today uh, to come to hear your word so that we may be renewed in our faith. We thank you, Lord, that you are present with us by your spirit and that you promise to meet with us where we are gathered together in your name. And Lord, we ask that as we come to your words today, that you would speak into our hearts and our minds to remind us of all your good gifts for us through Jesus, your son, who died for us, who broke the power of sin and death and evil, and who came to life again, bringing us hope and that promise of new life through faith in him. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us uh, your Holy Spirit to assure us that we belong to you, to comfort us and strengthen us to live for you and to help us to share the good news about Jesus. Lord, we ask that you would forgive us for any ways that we have strayed from the path of love and truth. We ask that you would uh, take away our sins, that you would, uh, through Jesus, just uh, give us that reassurance of your cleansing in our lives. And Lord, renew us in our strength to live once more to please you and to consider the needs of others. Lord, as we come to your word, we ask that you would open our hearts and minds, that we would hear your voice, know the truth, and be willing to obey what you are saying to us. And we pray all these things through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power and the glory, forever. Amen. Well, Rosie is going to come and speak to us now. Hello. Would you like to open the Bible again? So just... Very gently pull, 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 pull. That's it, right. And the knot's undone. And what is inside? <gasps> it's a love letter. And do you know what it says? How much do you know how much I love you? And then what does it say at the end? Very end. Love Jesus. And it's got a big smacking kiss like that. Do you know how much Jesus loves you? There's a question, isn't it? Do you know that Jesus loves you so much that if you reach up to the heavens, if you can touch the heavens, that's how much Jesus loves you, right up to the heavens. And do you know that Jesus has forgiven us all the bad things that we have done? So that means forgive. Do you know what forgive means? It means that Jesus has forgotten about all the bad things. It's as if he's taken them away, as if they have never, ever happened. And that's an amazing thing to happen for us, isn't it? I wonder how we could say thank you 
to Jesus and say how much we love you. Yeah, we could say thank you, couldn't we? Yes. And if we come to church, something called worship, that's how we show Jesus our love. We can, what do we do in church to say thank you? We sing. We clap, don't we? Sometimes. And we do actions just to say, wow, Jesus, how amazing are you? Sometimes we pray and we can read the Bible. We can do lots of different things. But we don't have to just come to church. It's anything that we do. We can think about giving Jesus his love back to him as well. I think there's a story in the Bible. Let me read it. And it's a really unusual story because it's about this woman who worships Jesus in a very unusual way. Let's see if you can listen and find out. Jesus arrived at Simon's house feeling tired and hungry. Simon didn't welcome him. That's not very nice, is it? Or he didn't ask his servant to wash Jesus' dirty feet. That's not very good either. But he asked Jesus to sit at the table and gave him some food. Thank goodness. But while they were eating, a woman came in carrying a jar of precious perfume. Must have been very expensive. And she sat on the floor next to Jesus. She was thinking of all the wrong things she had done and how Jesus loved her and forgave her. She began to cry. And as her tears fell, she washed Jesus' dusty feet. Just imagine how many tears she must have been crying. And wiped them with her long hair. She took her precious perfume and gently poured it on to Jesus' feet. Simon was upset. Don't you know how bad this woman is? He asked. But Jesus said, Simon, when I arrived, you didn't welcome me or even wash my feet. But this woman has given me a wonderful gift. She has shown me how much she loves me. Well, wasn't that a strange story? I mean, imagine washing Jesus' feet with your tears and then wiping it with your hair. I mean, we, we don't have very much hair. <laughs> We'd have to reach down really low, wouldn't we? And then to break a bottle of perfume and pour it over his feet. Isn't that really unusual thing to do? But, Jesus, but, but this woman wanted to show Jesus how much she loved him because he had done everything for her and showed, him, showed her his love. Let's, let's pray about it. Jesus, we thank you that your love stretches as high as the heavens and that you have forgiven us. You have taken away all the wrong things that we have done and just forgotten about them, taken them right away as if they've never happened. Lord Jesus, we love you. Help us in everything that we do to show you how much 
We love you. Amen. Right, we're going to sing a song. I don't know if you know this, but it's called This is the Day. And it goes a bit like this. And we just have to clap. Even if you can't read the words, you can clap as much as you like. That's just as much worshipping God as singing. So it goes a bit like this. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. We will rejoice, we will rejoice and be glad in it, and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, hey, this is the day that the Lord has made. And we're going to sing that twice, okay? Our Gospel reading this morning is to be found in the Gospel according to Mark. Mark chapter 8 and reading from verse 22 to chapter 9 verse 1. Mark 8 and at verse 22. They came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spat on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking round. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home, saying, Don't even go into the village. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, Who do people say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, 
Who do you say I am? Peter answered, You are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. And he said to them, Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. Amen. Thanks be to God. Let us continue our worship in the singing of Mission Praise number 5. 145. Open our eyes, Lord, and we will sing this through twice.
Let's pray together. Lord God, we come before you, before we uh, delve into your word. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to uh, be listening and looking and anticipating all that you have for us today. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us uh, your word, the Bible. We uh, thank you for the way that you speak to us through it uh, day by day. And, Lord, we ask that you would speak into our hearts and our minds. That however we have come today, if we have any concerns or anxieties, Lord, that we can leave these with you, uh, knowing that you care for us. And, Lord, be able to just now uh, be still in your presence and hear what you have for us. Your words of life, we ask now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today it's really all about who is Jesus. And as we come to God's word today, it's really a question for us as well to have think about as we begin to look at this passage. How do we think about Jesus today? How have we come today? What does Jesus mean to us? Because today we come to what might be called a eureka moment in the Gospel of Mark, which we've been following the last few weeks. And it's the point at which this question of who Jesus is becomes clear in the heart and the mind of Peter, one of Jesus' closest followers. All along the way in the first half of Mark's Gospel, we've had signs uh, that point to Jesus being someone really special, but not just a great teacher or a prophet. His words and actions have spoken of God's love in a new and living way. He's brought God to life in the hearts of people. And his miracles and healings and demonstrations of God's power and authority have amazed the multitudes from all around the region. So wherever he goes, people want to come. And yet time and again, people have misunderstood him and misjudged him. And the religious leaders have largely missed the mark in their assessment of who Jesus is. Many have come simply to receive all they can from Jesus. They see that they can receive something from him, receive healing, receive freedom. But maybe don't take things further. Only his closest followers have started to realize who Jesus is. And it's Peter who's the one who finally gets it, who has a revelation of Jesus' true nature and identity. But just before we come to this critical moment, this eureka moment in Mark's gospel of um, Peter's understanding of who Jesus is, we're, we're told of another miraculous healing. And this time it's uh, a healing of a man who is born blind. And it's uh, an unusual story in, in one way in that we might expect that Jesus would simply heal this man in, in one go. But what we find is a kind of two-stage healing. Stage one is that Jesus leads him by the hand out of the village of Bethsaida, 
A little bit like the, the story we were hearing last week about the man who was deaf and mute. Um, Jesus takes this man, like the previous man, to a place where they can be alone and undisturbed by the crowds. He then spits in the man's eyes and places his hands on them and he asks if he can see anything. The surprising answer is, I see people and they look like trees walking around. What's well, surprising because we think, well, surely Jesus can heal the man in one stage. That just that's it. But actually, this takes place in two stages. His sight at this point is only partially healed. He can see a bit, but not really too clearly. Well, if I was to take my glasses off, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to read my sermon now, but if I was to, if I was to take my glasses off, um, I would probably see a few people at the front. Um, everyone else, you, you would maybe, not maybe look like trees, but you would, you would be blurred. Well, a few, few years ago, I think I've probably shared this with some of you before, but when I was training to become a minister, um, the very first service I was asked to lead was a um, Christmas Eve watch night service in, in, a, in a large village in Perthshire. And the church was packed. Um, I think there were a few people just come, come in out the pub at the back, so it was a little bit rowdy as well. Um, so I was feeling a bit nervous about my first full service that to lead especially in such a setting. And I'd like to say that I prayed and that my nerves went, but what I actually did was that I took my glasses off. My eyesight was a bit better then, so I could see what I was preaching, but um, I didn't see more than the first couple of rows. Um, the rest were of the people were too blurred for me to see clearly, um, so it looked like a much smaller congregation, and that sort of calmed me a little bit. But in our story... The fact that the man couldn't see people clearly was something that, that really need to, needed fixed. And so Jesus then moves on to this second stage of the man's healing. And so once more he places his hands in the man's eyes, and this time the man's eyes are opened fully, and he sees everything clearly. Now there are a few things uh, to notice about this two-stage healing of the blind man. When we pray for ourselves or for other people, be it for healing or something else, we might receive the answer to our prayer, not in one stage, but in two stages or even several stages. Sometimes God gives us um, what we pray for straight away. Other times we might receive uh, part of what we've prayed for and then the rest comes in stages. Whenever we pray, however, we should persevere in our prayers and continue to seek God, just as Jesus prayed a second time for the man, after which his sight was fully restored. Another thing to notice is that this story about the man's physical eyes being opened, it comes just before the story of Peter's spiritual eyes being opened to who Jesus really is. Now, the Gospel writers, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they had uh, lots of material to, um, to share about who Jesus is. Uh, John's Gospel actually says, well, if, if John had put down everything about Jesus in books, then there wouldn't be enough books in the world 
um, to contain. But so they had to select the, the stories that they wanted to share and also the order of things um, to help highlight some deep truths about who Jesus is. And so Mark puts this story of the healing of the, the, the blind man. Um, he orders it just before this confession, if you like, of Peter to say who Jesus is, to highlight for us this revelation, this opening of eyes of Peter and the other disciples. And so what we have is it, it prepares us. The, the physical healing of the man in stages prepares us for the opening of the eyes to, of Peter and the others to who Jesus is, which is a really important question. And yet, even although Peter's eyes are starting to be opened, um, as we find out a little bit later, he hasn't quite grasped the full picture of who Jesus is and why he came. Um, his eyes are open partially, but not completely. So what happens after the healing of the blind man is that they're on their way to the villages, and next villages they're going to, and Jesus asks his disciples a very important question. First of all, he says, well, who do people say that I am? They reply, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. In other words, the people who'd seen and heard Jesus have got some notion that um, there's something really special about him. They can't quite put their finger on it, but they recognize that there's some power and authority from God. And so they think he's a bit like John the Baptist, who had been preaching at that time. And also the Old Testament prophet Elijah, one, one of the most powerful prophets from the Old Testament but they don't really know who he is. The next question that Jesus asks, however, is more personal. This isn't a question of what other people think. It's about what they think. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? Well, we can imagine Jesus walking with his disciples, looking into their eyes after almost three years together, to ask whether they really know him. I've heard you tell me what other people say, but now what about you? Who do you say that I am? Well, Peter is the first to see, and he says, you're the Messiah, or as Matthew's gospel records, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. The way that we each answer that question about Jesus is so important because it's what we really think about who Jesus is and how we respond to him, which is key to us having a relationship, a living relationship with God. Is Jesus simply a good teacher or a prophet? Someone who um, we associate with certain times of the year, Christmas, Easter, someone who's had a lot of unique and amazing things to say? Do we think about Jesus, what, just what other people think about him, but we haven't yet really thought about it ourselves? Or have we discovered that he is the Messiah, the one 
sent by God to be our Savior? Have we encountered God's Son as our own Lord, who leads us into the loving presence of God, our Heavenly Father, and gives us life that lasts forever? Jesus' question, who do you say I am, is such a key question for us all. How then do we answer it? Well, Peter gets things right this time. And in Matthew's account, Jesus commends him. He congratulates him for his reply, saying that he's got it right, that God has revealed the truth to him. But unfortunately, and as so often happens as we find in the Gospels with Peter, uh, things can quite soon go wrong. And uh, you could say that he He's got some spiritual vision, but his vision is still lacking and his eyes need to be opened further. Because when Jesus then goes on to tell his disciples that actually he has now to suffer many things, that he will be rejected by the religious leaders and he will be killed, but that three days later he will rise to life again. I wonder if Peter actually heard that last bit, but his reaction is to try and rebuke Jesus. Never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Well, we can only imagine that when Peter heard all this, it just suddenly didn't fit with his idea of the kind of Messiah, the kind of Savior that Jesus was in his mind. Maybe he had thought that he would be the one to bring political freedom. And so this talk of death and suffering, that just didn't seem to compute for him. Well, whatever his exact thoughts, they weren't in line with God's plan. And in fact, they were against God's plan. And so Jesus turns to Peter, who's just congratulated and says bluntly, get behind me, Satan. Quite a rebuke. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Peter's ideas aren't God's ideas. His vision of who Jesus is and what he's come to do is still only partial. Because Jesus had come to die for the sins of the world. And only by taking the road of suffering and death on a cross would he make a way for us to be able to come to know forgiveness and life forever. This is God's way of salvation. Human wisdom, the kind that Peter is displaying here, actually becomes a stumbling block because it's actually getting in the way of God's will and purpose for Jesus. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament letter in, in 1 Corinthians uh, that's his first letter to the church in Corinth, he contrasts this difference between God's wisdom and human wisdom. And among the things he says in chapter 1 of First Corinthians, he says this, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom 
and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Because when we think about it, the cross is actually, it seems like nonsense that someone would die to save the world like that. But actually it was God's wisdom. It was the way that he had chosen for Jesus to overcome sin and death and the powers of evil, to free us, to enable us to enter God's family. Well, having rejected Peter's human reasoning in favor of God's wisdom, Jesus goes on to outline what it means to be his follower, the cost of being a follower of Jesus. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? How many times have we seen people uh, apparently getting everything they want, but actually they find that their life is empty? Maybe they've, they've won a lot of money, maybe they've earned a lot of money, but actually when it comes down to it, that's not the important thing. I wonder how all of this, these ideas of what it means to follow Jesus, sits with our idea of what it means to follow Jesus. Does our vision of the Christian life match up to what Jesus says? The way of the cross which Jesus calls us to go involves learning to lose ourselves in the way of loving sacrifice. And so it's the opposite of selfish living. It's the way of learning to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. It means staying close to our Lord and learning to love as he has loved us. And from that relationship of love with our Lord Jesus, we learn to do good and to share our gifts in a loving way. I was reading um, something just the other day where it was saying it's not the amount of things we do, it's that we do them in a loving way. And this is the way of the cross, the way that Jesus calls us to follow. It's the way of love, of learning to love God and to love others as ourselves. But following the way of Jesus and the cross is also about being willing to stand up for the truth of God's word and the gospel of Jesus, even when that means suffering and rejection. In other words, following Jesus can mean standing out from the crowd and being willing to do what's right, even when that's not the popular thing to do. As we move closer to Holy Week, when our focus turns to the cross, it's good to be reminded of the amazing sacrifice of our Lord Jesus that he made for us because God has loved us so much. It's also good to be reminded that God's ways don't always fit with our ways and our expectations. The way of the cross, the way Jesus took, certainly wasn't what Peter and the other disciples had in mind. It was only looking back later on that they recognized that God's way is the best way. Then they would see that even through the darkness of the cross, God was making a way for life to break through. Because three days later, there would come the resurrection. 
God would raise Jesus to life again and give us all the hope of life forever through faith in his Son and by the gift of the Holy Spirit. As we we leave our reflection today, who do we say Jesus is? Have we discovered him as our Savior and our Lord? Have we discovered the love of God through Jesus? And will we trust in God's wisdom that he knows what's best for us and follow Jesus in the way of the cross, the way of sacrificial love? Let's ask God to open our eyes to help us to see him more clearly and to see his love for us through Jesus and discover that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that your ways are higher than our ways and that you have come to us and that you have revealed yourself to us through your word. We thank you, Lord, that you sent Jesus to open our eyes Lord, you have given us eyes to see and ears to hear, and we ask that you would open the eyes of our hearts and help us to see how much you love us and care for us, and open our ears and help us to listen to your voice calling us to follow Jesus in the path of life. Lord, if we've not seen before, we ask that you would open our hearts and minds to you now, Help us, Lord, to see you more clearly by your Spirit and to understand the hope that you have given us through Christ, that we belong to you through faith in your Son and that nothing can separate us, whether on earth or in heaven, from the love you have for us through Christ our Lord. Grant us wisdom and insight that we may always walk in the way of love and truth and help us to share the blessings you've given us through Christ our Savior with our families and friends and all those you have given us to share our lives with as well as those in need whom you have put on our hearts to care for gracious God as we remember the needs of our world the war in the Ukraine and the continuing suffering and pain of many. And as the world continues to deal with the pandemic and many other challenges, we present our own prayers for our world to you in the silence now. Lord, our comforter, healer and friend, thank you that you love and care for those who are on our hearts near and far. We remember those who are suffering, those who have lost loved ones, those who are sick, whether in body, mind, or spirit. As we name them before you now in the silence, may they know your comfort and healing, your provision and the peace of your presence. God of all hope and life. Thank you for the lives of those who have gone before us, trusting in you, who now live in the joy of your nearer presence in heaven. 
Help us to live in the same hope and remain faithful to the end, sharing the good news of Jesus throughout our lives. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour and Redeemer, in whose name we pray. Amen. We come now to our closing hymn, All to Jesus, I Surrender, Mission Praise 25. And uh, uh, this is a response to God's word, and so um, you can use it as that. Um, if you can't, don't feel you can really fully commit to all the words, then you can listen um, and as we sing together. But this is a response to Jesus, our Savior. All to Jesus, I Surrender.
Now the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guard your hearts and your thoughts in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you this day and remain with you always. Amen. <laughs>